0: Hello, and welcome to episode 239 of The Modern Manager. I'm your host, Mamie Canfor-Stewart. A warm welcome to Idalas M. and Mike R. to The Modern Manager community. And a warm welcome to all of you who are joining me today. I've got a great conversation coming up with Kapil Kale. Kapil is the co-founder and COO of Tremendous. Kapil previously co-founded Gift Rocket, an online gift card company that went through Y Combinator and became profitable. Prior to that, he worked as a senior associate consultant at Bain & Company and also worked as a portfolio team member at Insight Venture Partners. Koppel and I talk about building a remote-first culture. We get into ways to build trust, foster deep relationships, manage accountability, and so much more. Now here's the conversation.
1: You're listening to The Modern Manager, a podcast dedicated to helping you be a rock star boss with a thriving team. Whether you're looking to upgrade your meetings, cultivate your team, or grow as a leader, this podcast is for you. Now here's your host, Mamie Canfer Stewart.
0: Thank you so much for joining me today, couple. I'm super excited to talk with you about building virtual teams, building virtual cultures. This is a topic I get asked about so much, especially post-pandemic or kind of in this next phase of pandemic life where we kind of were all remote and just trying to like figure it out, and now we're like, oh no, maybe this is something that's actually going to stay, and I really need to like figure it out in a in a more sustainable way. So excited to have you today!
1: Very excited to be here, and it's a topic I'm really passionate about. Having been a remote employee, remote executive, and now uh, the founder of a fully remote company for the last seven years,
0: so you definitely have a lot of experience working remotely in this kind of remote culture space. So maybe you could start by just sharing, you know, what do you see as being the difference of, of how you go about building a remote culture compared to what it takes or kind of the way that you go about building team culture when everybody is co-located? Since it sounds like you had a life before this, before this last seven years, that was more of like a traditional in-person life.
1: Yeah, it's a great question. One of the things I've found is that when you put a bunch of people into a room together, as humans, we're just wired to be able to collaborate together when we're in the same room. Naturally, things will happen of like a leader will emerge, there'll be discussions about topics. and I mean, you think back to the book Lord of the Flies, for example, where it's a bunch of kids that end up on an island. They're kids and they figure it out just fine. And it's the equivalent of they're working on a problem together in person. Now the, the book ends and not the best way, <laughs> but they did set up their team and they were able to collaborate and work towards objectives. Now, the thing that happens in a remote environment is the communication paths are really quite different. If you are in a live Zoom conversation with like 16 different faces You can only really have one conversation happening at once. If you think about the chatter that happens in like a live meeting, you have a couple people chatting about something and two people who work together sitting next to each other and just like exchanging pleasantries. None of that really happens. And as a result, as a leader, you have to be more deliberate in designing the communication patterns that work for this medium how is work that needs to get done going to get communicated? Who is going to be responsible for doing it? Who is in charge of reporting back to the group? And what format should the reporting happen? And I think as a leader, when you set the example for how those things should happen, suddenly the norms get established for how you work uh, in this very foreign environment that is biologically not normal for us to like operate in, and then people get the hang of it. So, as a leader, the most important thing you can do is set the norms for communication and how you work, and then kind of on an ongoing basis. Make sure people are adhering to those norms, and that's a lot of what the term culture is for. Our culture refers to the ways in which we work, and that's native to in all pretty much an all digital environment where many of the people on our team haven't met each other yet.
0: Yeah, I I love this this nuance and this insight of like when we're just thrown into a room together, we figure it out because we see people, we get all the signals, we get like all the like it just all just kind of happens because we're all sitting in the same space. And when you remove that same space and suddenly make it virtual, and we have to now figure out how to communicate that, like, we don't really know how to do that yet. And it's a totally different skill set and a totally different set of information flows and communication tools. And it's like, you, you actually have to be really intentional to your point. And so I think also what you're saying about, like, the leader has to set the tone and set some of the norms and be intentional about it. That's really hard, I feel like, when as a leader, I don't really know what I'm doing. So how have you figured out, or maybe you give some examples of some of the things that you have done or seen your team seen your team leaders do to help create those processes, create those norms, create that clarity for people?
1: Yeah, I think one of the biggest things that we knew was that there, there's a bigger question of why are you trying to create this remote environment? because for us there was a very clear there were two very clear reasons for why we wanted to do it in the first place and then they informed how we ended up actually running that environment reason number 1 was I, I think a sort of selfish reason for like the founders of the company that we wanted to be able to live in the city that we wanted to and we wanted to be able to travel while we were working and visit family or be in a different place and, and that's just a very pleasant way to work and then the second was that we were building at the company i work at is tremendous we're an online payouts platform and it is a very technical problem we move hundreds of millions of dollars around and we need to do so safely and compliantly and we do it all with code we need to hire really really smart engineers who are going to be able to build out really fantastic reliable tooling and as it turns out There just aren't that many of those folks in the city that we live in. So what we realized after struggling to hire engineers locally and wanting to be able to move to other places was, how do we get a bunch of very smart people from all over the world to actually collaborate with each other? And there are a few sort of core rules that we realized. The first is that a lot of the communication and collaboration we would do would have to be asynchronous. Which means that it wouldn't be taking place in like a Zoom call or in a live conversation. And this stems from a lot of the work that we do requires deep concentration. And if you're in calls all day, you can never really hit your stride with being able to concentrate on the task at hand. So that was one. And then the second thing we knew is that's going to require people who write really well because your alternative to like all of the synchronous conversation is like, writing things down. And so like element number one of our remote culture came in, which was that it needed to be asynchronous or at least semi-asynchronous. So, and and element number two came in, in that if you want it to be that way, you need to have good writers who can actually communicate their thoughts comfortably over a different medium rather than just like speaking.
0: Oh my gosh. I I love the like really understanding why are you trying to build remote? Especially because- For some organizations, they may try to be building remote with the people they already have because everyone just wants more flexibility to work from home sometimes, or people have moved since the pandemic and don't want to move back to wherever they were originally where the office is. And those are very different reasons than we need to access a broader pool of talent or something else. So getting clear on that makes so much sense. And then connecting that to the skills, like the way that work gets done, and then the skill sets needed. Like, I never really thought about being an asynchronous culture means you need to have good written communication skills. But if that's not your team or if your team isn't used to working that way because you're used to just getting in a room together, that's a new skill for people to develop. Or you have to find a different tool, like sending video messages, that is a better fit for the skill set of your team. I mean, this like my, I feel like my brain is exploding right now, and I'm just like, oh, hadn't really connected the ways that you work with the skill set that you need to be hiring for or developing in your people.
1: Another another element of this is that we like our team at Tremendous is split across three continents right now, and pretty much every time zone from Hawaii to Hamburg, and as a result of that people don't even get into the same room that often to collaborate. We get the company together twice a year and most employees at the company will probably meet up with other employees like at an offsite or something like that once every quarter. That's really different in terms of a meeting cadence for how often you're going to see your teammates, that if you are a hybrid model where you have an office somewhere and a bunch of employees who just want the flexibility to be able to work from home most days and then come in like two days a week or something like that. So for us, the core thing was finding like really top talent. And we knew that we had to be able to search far and wide for it. And that meant that they wouldn't we wouldn't be able to get everyone in the same room all the time. And that required a certain different type of employee and a different type of communications structure to make it work then maybe the small business where they just want to add more flexibility and there's tools for both of these models to work it's just scary because sometimes a mistake that managers could make is they think that well the sort of tooling and infrastructure that this all remote company that's building like tech products needs uh, and is implementing is the appropriate one for me. Whereas actually you need to find if I'm just trying to have a somewhat hybrid model where I'm giving more flexibility to my team, then I may not need to be as extreme as some of the other cultures that have been built.
0: Yeah. I think it's interesting to think about like, what's the right set of communication tools, like the the tech side of it, the cadence for meetings versus other kinds of communications, the skill sets needed, all of that. And one of the things I talk about with my clients is designing for virtual because the in-person is, is kind of comes along naturally. I think kind of where you started with like, you put people in a room, they'll figure it out. Obviously, it's not quite that simple, but because we are generally comfortable with being together, designing for the not being together is really where you start and then kind of fill in for the in-person stuff. So even, you're right, you don't need the same sets of tools, you don't need the same skill sets, but if we design for in-person and then try to like fill out for the virtual, I feel like we kind of get stuck because we don't really know how to how to have that that dual relationship.
1: It is tricky. I think it's a really good point. So my first experience as a remote employee was at a company called AngelList, which is a, it's a platform for startups to recruit top talent and also a sort of a venture capital platform for those startups to raise money. It was a 22-person company at the time that I joined, and it was based and headquartered in San Francisco where almost every employee worked out of the office and I actually did for my first 5 months there but then I moved to New York where I was basically a remote employee and there was like a sort of central hub and I can tell you how tricky that was because having one person who's like a core member of the team being this sort of satellite entity and there's like a headquarters and all the, what happens is the communication channels at the headquarters are this like really informal water cooler thing that happens like in the kitchen, or someone just goes up to someone's desk or runs into them near the break room and and talks about some important thing, and that turns into like a longer discussion, and that's great, but it gets tricky for the employees who are not in that room to be included, and as a result, it creates like a sort of an imbalance in the access to, of information and the ability to contribute and and so i think that having a model where you have some number of employees that are spread out everywhere but then an hq and like that ends up being somewhat unstable because the employees that are not at the hq are always going to be on a different footing now there are ways to get around this one way might be you have an hq but you have people coming to work on like a consistent basis so no one's fully remote Another might be you have teams that are located in different offices that have different functions if it's a large enough company, and maybe they have their own sort of like come into work policy that makes it so that all those team members actually are seeing other team members and are able to interact with the team live on a consistent basis. And the model that we chose at Tremendous was actually to have zero offices, which is a more extreme one because no one is actually coming in and working with each other. Every meeting that we have involves like each person has their own Zoom square on the screen. And that was a way to sort of force everyone to have even footing, even though we as a company, I'm based in Brooklyn, New York. I think 10 people at the company are in New York and we just won't get an office in New York because it would create an environment where there's an HQ and there are a bunch of other remote employees who are not on even footing anymore. So that was one interesting observation I've had as I've seen remote work progress.
0: So I think this imbalance that you're talking about with having some people co-located and some people not, like that is real and it is definitely felt. And it's one of the big challenges that organizations have, even in just creating more flexibility where some people are working from home sometimes and some people are in the office more or less. And just, right, are you there the day that that group happens to have that conversation or not? So I'm I'm kind of wondering, even if that's not the case, right, even for a fully remote, like how do you create or how have you successfully built the relationships and addressed the things like the informal water cooler talk that is just so much harder to do when you're all remote or when you're just not sitting next to someone?
1: That's a great question, because one of the things that when the pandemic happened and everyone was forced into being remote that companies and leaders realized was that there's an element of work that involves a social connection to your coworkers and to the team. And when you take that away, work becomes seemingly more transactional and less relational. And I I think that that was felt by everyone who was working in an office was who was then like sort of forced to be in their apartments or houses or wherever. What we did at Angelist, and by that time I had become an executive there. What we did when we were remote was we polled employees and asked them for this social connection that you seem like you're missing now. What were the things that gave you that connection the most? at the company before we were forced into being remote. And they gave three answers. One was team meals that were in-person. The second was coffee runs, like our team would frequently just go to the coffee shop downstairs and a couple of people would go down there and just have a chance to catch up and really quick off-campus trip. It was super casual and unscheduled. And the third, and this was by far the most popular, were off-site events. Now, what you'll realize is none of these are like the meetings or like the actual nature of the collaboration. They're just like these serendipitous opportunities to have social interactions with your employees. And some of them are at an offsite where the entire team is like somewhere and separated from like their, usually their personal lives and all just spending time together for three days or two days or whatever it may be. With the lunches, you can't really put that online. With the coffees, you can't put that online. With the offsites, you can't put it online. But you can actually have uh, you could know, fly people to the same place uh, because it all happens in like you know at some time over the course of the year where you just book a place and and uh, much like a wedding or a special event you just have everyone there and have a good time. What we decided to do as a fully remote company to engineer that social connection was just to have a lot of offsites. And to make them very non-work and very just like, we, we try to make, uh, we call them like summer camp at Tremendous. It should feel like you're at summer camp and you're having a good time and there isn't like a work obligation or something you're expected to get out of it. And we fly everyone, they're fully paid and we, we make sure that they're a good time. And the expenditure that we would be paying to have office space in New York is more than enough to cover flying 50 team members to like one location to have a good time for a week, twice a year. And those end up being this like accelerated, like hyper way to get, generate that social interaction. What we find is that before those interactions, people will say, "I don't feel like like new hires will not feel as connected." And then the moment they go there, there's this "Aha" moment where it clicks, and they suddenly have four friends on the team, and they have these like fun experiences that they had with these people traveling, and they feel closer. And so that's the thing that's worked for us right now with the technology available.
0: I love that. And I actually had a very similar experience with my team. I used to have a software part of my business, Meteor, and we were 14 people across five or six different countries. And it was the same thing that we got. I flew the team to New York because that's where I was. And We'd spend a week together, partially working, partially having fun, and it felt like, like as you said, it was like an accelerated relationship building, trust building, and then there was an afterglow that just lasted for months. And then by the by the time we got to the next year, it was like we needed it again. We needed that like turbocharge that boost, and there really is nothing that can replace that time together of just the casualness and the authenticity of being in person so i i love that that like prioritizing that and saying there are certain things we just can't replicate online so let's not even try let's just do it in person and do it right
1: that's right and the one trick we found was that don't try to put work stuff like planning or trying to accomplish something productive as like a main objective of those offsites. It's better to just have them be fun social hours that are, imagine you take all the coffee chats and water cooler hours and you're just putting them and batching them into a week where you can actually get get everyone into the same room together. We had tried at times to do like a planning during an offsite and it was just too much. The ones where we just focused on the social piece were way more enjoyable and fun. And and the other thing I would say is people, funny enough, I think the typical trend for remote workers is they end up working more hours uh, because they're remote, because their commutes don't happen and they're free of distraction. And so having an offsite where they're specifically told that they are just doing the social stuff is, I mean, I I still think that managers are netting out way ahead on remote culture, even if you're giving your team almost a week off.
0: Yeah, I, I completely agree. So another dimension that I'm kind of curious how you've handled with remote cultures is around accountability and celebrations. So How do you? Because I I mean, it's unfortunate, but like so much of accountability has kind of been like, do I see you at your desk? Are you responding to my Slack messages? Right? Like, what are the kinds of forms of accountability that you have found to be most helpful in building kind of a remote team?
1: My experience with this at tremendous is going to be really different from like the big company experience because we're sixty people roughly, and at sixty people in size. Pretty much I, I I know what everyone is doing and you can get a sense of people's engagement because especially for a technical or uh, engineering driven organization, everyone on the team is producing output. And for some people, for engineers, the output is code. For product managers, the output is documents. For marketers, the op- output is copy or campaigns or uh, designers. It's like mock-ups or creatives or whatever it may be. And you can always see that the most effective people on the team just have a steady stream of output and that works really well. Now, I think that when you have people where the output is much more consistent or excuse me much less consistent or you know in an office setting, they are able to be productive because they have someone that's like constantly there pushing them, what we have found is it's best to try to identify who those people are and just try to discourage them from working in this environment. And this boils down to, I think some people are actually really well-equipped to work in a remote environment, and they have a few characteristics. One is that they're great writers and they're great communicators over the medium of the internet. The second is that they don't need a lot of oversight in order to get things done. And as a result, they tend to be somewhat more autonomous. And the third is, and this goes down to a management concept of comes from high output management around... Task relevant maturity, they're typically doing stuff that is like within their capabilities. And I'll give you an example the junior person who just entered the workforce, I don't know if a remote team is actually the best way that they're going to learn their skill set. Whereas a senior person who, let's say they have a kid and they need to be able to have flexibility in their day to manage the kid, but they are an ace at their job, that is a home run for a remote environment. Just in terms of the incentives for the person fresh out of college who's still learning how to do their job is going to be constantly trying to pull information about how to work. And they're going to be able to get that information much better in a setting where they're sitting next to someone and like they can constantly be pulling and asking questions. And if they're not accustomed to the work environment, that person, their manager can sit next to them and constantly be checking in. But for us, it's really hard to make those people effective. And I I think as a manager or a creative or remote environment, you just kind of want to avoid those people because they're going to be better fits for in-person environments.
0: Yeah, that makes so much sense. Yes, yes, yes. Okay, I I don't want to run out of time. So I want to ask you about celebrations, too, because... This is another one of those things kind of like getting coffee or lunch together that a lot of celebrations that teams would do were happening kind of in these in-person gathering where someone would bring in cupcakes and we'd all say like, happy birthday, or it's your one year anniversary here. How have you found to kind of create the same or a similar sense of celebration in a remote environment?
1: I think we do things around recognition to make sure people feel appreciated. And the same things that give you the dopamine hit of like being in person and having a team like clap for you when you have shipped a project or done something important or useful to the company. We have all hands where we try to celebrate those achievements and we also celebrate them in Slack or in whatever our tooling is. The last piece is in the in-person sessions that are primarily social, we pack in those celebrations. Like for example, at the last offsite we had... We had an award show where everyone was like was able to nominate people for certain awards, and six people won awards and came up and gave like acceptance speeches, and it was a really fun, really sort of lighthearted way to celebrate accomplishment. That was packed into that one sort of social week. So it's the ongoing stuff that we do to like, we have a praise channel, for example, in our Slack where uh, you know people are constantly saying like, thank you to this person on the other side of the team for helping me with this. It was awesome or great job to this team that got this thing over the line. And and so that I think is, it is effective, but then reinforcing those things when you are in person is also really important because there's an in-person element to receiving that praise.
0: That is quite helpful. I like that. We can celebrate things more than once. So why not? Why not reinforce? Why not make it uh, something that we do virtually and in person? Love it. Okay. So now we have to wrap up. So couple, can you tell us about a great manager that you worked for and what made this person such a fantastic boss?
1: Sure. Uh, the person who comes to mind is actually the founder and former CEO of AngelList, this guy, Naval Ravikant. And I, I remember the tip that I learned from him. So I, I was just having a difficult time with someone who was a, another uh, leader at the company at the time. And I was thinking about leaving and he called me up before I was uh, he's like, hey, what's going on? And I said, hey, look, look, I'm running into this problem. And he said, okay, can you just describe it in more detail? And I said, okay. And this is, by the way, someone who's like a tech luminary, really, really fantastic person. And I'd interacted with a fair bit, but it never brought a real problem to him. And he said, okay, here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to talk to six people and I'll get back to you by the end of the week. Two days later, he said he had talked to seven people and he was like, here's what I learned. Here's what I'm going to do. And my brain had just exploded because I had raised something that was a sensitive complaint. He took it really seriously and he said he was going to do something. And not only did he actually do it, but he overdelivered delivered on it. And that, uh, to me as an employee, I was like, wow. That, I was like, I, I was uh, uh, speechless when that happened and just really impressed. And, and that was always something I took with me afterwards. Uh, anytime an employee or a direct reporter of mine brought something to me, I always did my best to take it very seriously and then over-deliver on getting back to them.
0: I love it. Such a great lesson. And I love that you carried that with you. And where can people learn more about you and Tremendous and keep up with your work?
1: You can find Tremendous at Tremendous.com and you find me. I'm usually pretty quiet, but I am on Twitter at twitter.com slash Koppel.
0: Thank you so much for sharing your experience building your company and thinking about how we can all build better remote team and virtual team environments.
1: Thank you for having me.
0: Koppel is providing an amazing offer from his company Tremendous, which is the simplest way for businesses to send money to people. Managers can offer employees more than 800 redemption offers from gift cards to donations to cash. So whether you're sending to 10 employees or 10,000 in one city or 100 countries, if it is isn't payroll, you can send it with Tremendous. As a guest bonus, you'll get a $100 reward for a $1,000 Tremendous purchase. And note that Tremendous is free to use and has no fees or subscriptions. This $100 reward is only available to patron members of the Modern Manager community, which includes participants in the Skills Accelerator. To become a member, go to themodernmanager.com slash join. And if you work for a government or nonprofit agency, you get 20% off of any membership level. All the links are in the show notes, and they can be delivered to your inbox when you subscribe to my newsletter. Find that at themodernmanager.com. Thanks again for listening. Until next time. Meetings are one of the most critical components of healthy collaboration, and teams are at the heart of how we work. Meteor helps you use your time in meetings productively, build healthy relationships with your colleagues, and move work forward. To learn how we do it, visit meteor.com. That's M-E-E-T-E-O-R.com.
1: You've been listening to The Modern Manager. You're already becoming a rockstar boss of a thriving team. I can tell. To ensure you never miss an episode, subscribe to the show in your favorite podcast player. And join the mailing list at MamieKS.com slash podcast. That's M-A-M-I-E-K-S dot com slash podcast to get show notes and other special content delivered directly to your inbox. Thank you so much for listening. Until next time.